Hi, everyone, and welcome back to the SCU Buzz podcast. My name is Blake Skews, and today I'll be interviewing Tobias Kretschmer. Tobias graduated in 2009 with a Doctorate of Natural Sciences from the University of Zurich, and he has since done extensive work on molecular plant physiology. His work has taken him to places like the Philippines, working eight years in the International Rice Research Institute, and contributed to the genetics, breeding, and resource management. He is now working at Southern Cross University as an associate professor looking at applied science in a research for development context. Tobias is working on a variety of horticultural crops such as rice, coffee, hemp, and much more. He joins us now to tell us all about it. So welcome, Tobias. Hey, how are you going today? I'm great, Tobias. We have a lot of interesting stuff to talk about today. I first want to ask, though... If you could explain what I just explained to save like a 10 year old, like if you had to put it in layman's terms, what is it exactly that you do? Well, I think in general, I'm trying to take fundamental science. So science for the sake of science, but by make sure that there's an applied outcome to it. So we're trying to benefit the regions and that's what the crops we're working on are regional crops. You listed a few, you listed rice, hemp and coffee, and those are crops grown actually in the Northern Rivers region. So for us, it's important that whatever we do actually has an impact in the Northern Rivers. Okay, well, a big part of your research is rice. What is the process behind breeding black rice? So when I've joined Southern Cross about four years ago, I was fortunate enough to bring about a panel of around 300 black rice accessions that were sourced from all over the world and hosted by Erie. Those accessions, however, are not adapted to Australian growing conditions. So we're breeding to adapt the existing varieties to perform well in Australia. The niche industry, they're not competing much with the Riverina. So their niche has been brown rice. Um, and we see a lot of potential to value add that to black rice because black rice gives a higher value and has way more health benefits than just brown rice would. Interesting, because yeah, for years I had always heard like brown rice is the go-to if you want like a healthy benefit, but black rice, I've just, it's been under the radar really. Black rice is not very common. Um, it's been, it's been around and countries like Thailand have been promoting it massively and it, it, it is black due to anthocyanins. So that gives it the black or dark purple color. And there's a lot of health benefits associated with that. Right. Okay. Well, how does UV radiation play a part in formulating rice? Well, that is something we're trying to find out. So what we know that anthocyanin production in other crops um, is, is governed by high radiation, and it's a bit of a protective mechanism for the crop. And we expect that this might be the case in rice. So our hypothesis actually is that growing black ice in Australia will make it extra healthy because the plant, due to the high UV radiation or high solar intensity, um, will be push towards producing much more of that beneficial compound. How interesting. Well, I wanted to also ask, because before working at Southern Cross, you researched rice uh, as a staple crop for eight years in the Philippines. Mm -hmm. But what was it like working over there compared to Australia? Well, I'd say the biggest difference is labor cost. Um, I was very, very spoiled in the Philippines where if I had a research plan mapped out, I'd be sure to have 10, 15 technical staff at my side because labor oh, right was on. very cheap over there. Whereas over here, labor is very expensive and everything's geared towards mechanizing. So here it's more about technology and you want to adopt 
um, to technology, whereas that was not a limiting factor in the Philippines. So the process is a bit harder to kind of get the ball rolling over here. It is. Uh, you either have the right technology on hand or, or, or you need way more funding in order to get right. something done that you would have done, gotten done in the Philippines because um, labor is abundant. Exactly. Um, do you hope to take your research anywhere else in the world or are you happy staying put? At the moment, I'm very happy to stay in put. I think um, with rice, there's always there's always a global spin to it. And uh, we are in the Asia Pacific region and, and we're driving that. And I think um, what we're doing here might benefit others in terms of rice. And the same goes for coffee. I mean, uh, we're actually growing very little coffee in Australia. And um, the problems we're seeing through climate change are much more pressing in countries that rely on coffee as a as a as a cash crop. So I see opportunity to bring that towards the Asia Pacific region, but only four years in. So at the moment, I'm, my focus is, is on yes. the Northern Rivers. And I think there's a lot to do here as well. Still early days. Well, since you bring up coffee, you are trying to find a new coffee variety for Australia. Where does one start with researching something like that? Well, I think you always start with the problem. Um, so we were actually approached by the industry who 20 odd years ago decided on a Kenyan variety that was very good looking and produced very good beans. The problem with that variety was it never really did stop growing. And again, labor plays a big part here um, because labor is so expensive. Australian coffee farmers have to harvest by machines and those coffee plants they chose just gotten too big to be able to be machine harvested. And that meant they had to do a lot of pruning they had to cut them back and that resulted in harvest losses. So they need desperately need a new variety. And how do you start? We started with World Coffee Research. Um, they're a big nonprofit organization. And we entered a what's called a multi-location variety trial and where we became part of a global endeavor to assess 30-odd coffee varieties for their performance. We got those into the country. It took about two years to pass them through Australian biosecurity, but they're in the field now and we're assessing them in comparison to the existing varieties to see whether we find something that is um, better and tastier. Well, what would it mean for Australia if there was a new copy variety? I think it'd be a major boost to the, well, it'd be a growth in confidence, first of all, to the coffee industry. The footprint of the Australian coffee growers is very, very small, but there's a lot of potential. We drink a lot. We're probably one of the biggest yes. coffee drinkers <laughs> in the world. Less than 1% of what we drink is actually grown in Australia. Okay, right. And I think there's a, there's, there's a good opportunity to grow that market. And, yes. and I think Australians would be happy to know that they're drinking something that's grown in their, in their neighborhood. Oh, absolutely. It's always more attractive to know that something was grown or produced, at least in your own country. Um, I also want to talk about hemp because hemp as a novel food crop is becoming more and more popular. What's the benefits of hemp seed? So hemp seed was all, hemp seed probably was eaten in Australia prior to the 1930s quite abundantly because a lot of it was grown, but it's been shunned since um, due to association with the, with the actual um, drug marijuana. They're the, same, they're the same species, but they're two completely different aspects of the plant. Hemp has been deregulated now for consumption in Australia just over three years ago, and we're seeing a lot of health benefits from it. And I think the biggest, the biggest opportunities there or the biggest benefits come from the oils and the protein that is in the hemp seed. It's the oils that are really rich in omega-3 and omega-6 fatty acids. So those are fatty acids the human body can't produce. So it's relying on, on, on external sources for that. 
and especially the omega-3 fatty acid, they're precursors to um, DHA and EPA, and those are the fish oil fatty acids. So your body can convert them partially, and I think especially if you're on a vegetarian diet, you need to make sure you get your, you your omega-3s. Definitely. What would you see as the biggest myth about the field of medical cannabis? It's a great question. I think one of the biggest myths that still keeps to be lingering around is that hemp and medicinal cannabis or hemp and marijuana are the same thing. And to the point where a lot of people think, yeah, you're growing hemp just an excuse to be able to grow dope. Or other people think, I don't want to be associated with any hemp products because I might get accidentally high off it. And and none of that's true, of course. Um, I think taxonomically speaking, it's the same species. So hemp and marijuana or medicinal cannabis they're cannabis sativa, same species, but they diverged centuries ago. So they're completely different crops now. They're completely different industries that cater for these crops. One is hemp is arable, broad acre crop, medicinal cannabis is, is indoors. But yeah, still, um, we get our hemp trials raided by young folks trying to steal the crop and God knows what they're doing with it, but they're certainly not getting high of it. And I think a good example is, is dogs. I mean, you look at dogs, they're the same species, but uh, if you look at a Great Dane or a Chihuahua, yeah, you wouldn't confuse the two. They're, they're completely different things for two completely different purposes. And that's the same with hemp and medicinal. I think um, that myth that they're the same thing might have been true a couple of hundred years ago where a single farmer would use the crop for both fiber and, and, and seed and medicine, but these days they're completely different. I think um, that stigma needs to be broken. And it's, it's really important for the hemp industry to completely rid itself of that, of that stigma that it's associated with anything illicit, anything drug related, because regulation strict and there's modern, these modern crops, there's no way to get high of it. There's no way to abuse it in any sense. And um, it's probably one of the safest crops out there because of the tight regulation around it. For sure. Do you find as a society there's a large group of people who are also almost scared of change and scared to try new things such as hemp and that because of the negative factors that people have associated that stuff with? Well, it's always difficult to change a narrative. And for a good, well, nearly 100 years, we've been driving a narrative of, of cannabis being a problem and never really looked at the good things that are possible with it. And I think there's there's lots of examples where that's happened in the past and changing that narrative will take time. And I think it'll take a lot of convincing, partially through hard research, uh, but also through social media and through, through marketing and changing attitudes of people and making them realize that um, what they think cannabis and hemp is, is part of a narrative that was really strongly pushed, but not necessarily true. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. I feel like there's a lot that we could do more, as I said before, with uh, a lot of science backgrounds. And I feel like it's just getting people on board to try and get that next step in front. Exactly. So we're happy to see Australia actually opening up research and development into both aspects, both hemp for food and fiber, but also cannabis as a, as a medicine. And um, we're, we're getting good support in terms of funding. And the moment, I think it's the regulation that's really holding us back. Um, because there's a lot of hurdles and there's a lot yes. of red tape and it's it's not easy to do good research in such a confined space. Exactly. Well, Tobias, I would like to ask you lastly, what are your plans next for your research? 
there's a couple of things brewing. Um, uh, I think the biggest one of them is we are trying to put together a 10-year program through the through a CRC um, that would bring together all the cannabis and hemp researchers in Australia with most of the industry partners currently playing in that space. And the idea is to provide a big sounding room to see what the what are the hurdles for the industry and then gear up research solutions towards that. And that would that would include at least four or five universities and at least 50, 60 industry partners that are currently doing fibers or food or medicinal related stuff. Uh, if we get funding, that would be a 10 year endeavor. Um, and that, I think, would be the right vehicle to push hemp and cannabis research forward in Australia. So fingers For crossed sure. that we get that across the board. Absolutely. Well, I'm really excited to see um, your career progress. So we get to see more of this stuff come to light, especially as an avid coffee drinker myself. I'm really excited for a new variety of coffee. I, it's been way too long. So. Well, you should visit us. We got we got 25 varieties that we have harvested recently. We're just in the in the process of getting them depulped, dried, dehulled and roasted. And I, I reckon in about a couple of months, we'll have 25 varieties locally grown, roasted and ready for tasting. And if you're willing to score them for us. Absolutely. Try them all. I will be giving you a call as soon as that's ready to go. <laughs> well, thank you so much today, Tobias. It's been great chatting with you. Yeah, thanks for inviting me. It was a pleasure. We hope to have it back on soon. All the best to you. Thank you.